EAM is a podcast that proves women can still be strong and influential while being godly and humble. EAM streams anywhere you listen to your music and podcasts. If you like what you hear, visit our website, eamisher.wixsite.com for more resources. Welcome back, everyone. We are finishing off this series, the the very last episode for this Single Mingle Married series. Um, and we're going to talk about... So last week, we just covered, you know, the, the two, the fork in the road, the two avenues you may take nearing the end of your relationship. So you can either, you can break up or you can continue on, engage, get married. And today is precisely that road that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about married, the ceremony itself, life after marriage. And I'm very excited to share that um, this will not be purely theoretical. We have someone who's been married for 20 years, who is actually the wife of um, a priest here that we have in Canada, Claudine Dawood. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you and to hear your story <laughs> and what you got to say about this whole marriage deal. Mm. Um, I guess, should we just go straight into it? Sure. So I, uh, I will do my best uh, with the knowledge that I have, which is not much, but I will do my best uh, to go through the, the ceremony with you. I have to start by saying I love our Coptic Orthodox wedding mm -hmm. uh, ceremony. I really do. And um, I'm always excited for the ceremonies. I think, I just think we know how to do it and, and we do it so well. And I'm not talking about all the extra, like I'm really talking about the heart of the ceremony. It's so beautiful. And I always tell yeah. people like, you will love the ceremony. It's really special. And I've, I've even had the opportunity to attend, like even other Orthodox uh, weddings. I've attended an Indian Orthodox wedding and I was just blown away by its beauty. Uh, Greek Orthodox, you know, they're really beautiful, but I absolutely love our, our Coptic Orthodox service. I think it is really special. So um, th that that's just something that I, I, I really love. I'll do my best at the other parts of the, the questions. <laughs> I'm sure we'll learn a lot. Just to kick us off here, um, I'll ask by saying when I think of our weddings, I think of the crowns and the robes. So why do we wear these crowns and robes? What do they mean? Why do we have them? So the crowns and the robes, they're... There's a verse in 1 Peter that says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So from that verse is where we're picking out uh, the royalty. So we are our royalty, um, the priesthood. So the, the husband, he gets placed. It's not, this isn't like a, a fake cape. This is actually Abuna's cape that gets put uh, that gets put on him. I honestly th always thought it was like, I guess because I'm a drama teacher, so I thought it was like a costume. Like they have the wedding costume, <laughs> kind of like the crowns. Like nobody else wears the crown, so it's like pull out the wedding gear and let's you know use it for the ceremony. But not the cape. The cape is actually Abuna's actual cape that he puts on to uh, to the the groom, right? So wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's actually his cape, and uh, so that's the that's the priesthood, and then um, and then there's the the prophets too. So it's the 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 king, 
the priest and the prophet and the prophet is represented in the oil when we get anointed because in the old testament uh it was the prophet who always did the anointing actually the king was anointed um as well and um and the priests were anointed and 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 the prophet it was done by the prophet so that's where the oil comes in so that's how you see those three parts of our ceremony mm, okay since you brought it up, the oil, what is the purpose of the anointing of the oil? So the oil is just that, is that because it's the prophet, this is where the part of the prophet comes in, um, is that we are, uh, we are anointed just like the king and the, and the priest are, are anointed. And we often see oil in sacraments, right? Not in every sacrament, obviously it's not in mm -hmm. confession and it's not, but we do see it in, um, obviously chrismation and that's all about, uh, the oil. So we do see it in other sacraments as well, but it is, um, it is representing the prophet there. So remember our, our wedding ceremony, we are beginning, uh, a, there's a new altar that is being formed. It's like, we're laying the, the, the brick, the foundation, that foundation stone to begin a new church. And that church is in, is in our homes. And so there's got to be a priest if there's going to be a church, right? And so that priest mm -hmm. is our groom. That's our husband. He is he is uh, the priest in, in the household. Um, I heard a really, actually on my wedding day, uh, one of the priest that was attending he he spoke and he he said a beautiful thing to you know my husband and he said you know we it's it's clear you know in the ceremony he said you're wearing my cape um and you are honored as priest and so now you are to to be the priest of your household and make sure that 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 is how you lead and and even the priest even a real priest you know like of, of a church so abuna uh he is led by the whole he's led by by christ himself right so christ being the the number one lead uh and he is anointed then to be the priest to lead our new family and our new household and our new church uh so that is why he wears he wears the cape and and that royalty that we both feel you feel it on that day you feel like and you they look when you see the you look like king and queen it's it's, it's just beautiful and you feel it on that day when you are wearing if if and i have to say if you choose to be in that moment, because some women are like, oh my goodness, is Abuna ruining my hair? You know, and like, <laughs> everything that. and I mean, sometimes that is legit. Abuna is ruining your hair. And so you have to kind of like make sure that the crown gets put on, you know, <laughs> properly and, and whatever. And I would say that there are uh, priests, like I, you know, like I'll talk to my husband and say, make sure you're, you, you know, you handle the crown well with her hair and be aware of the things. And the, yes. the young priests I find are pretty aware of that. They know what their wives have gone through and to make sure that they don't, but that's not the, that's not the focus, but it's, you do feel this, this sense of royalty when you stand there and you look at each other. And so there is, there's a, such a beauty in that. And, and that's the calling here that in, in first Peter, it says that we are a chosen generation and we are, we are, uh, royalty and and because who are we we are we are the daughters and the sons of of the king and so we need to stand there like like that royalty that he has made us um but that's it's not just in the crown right it's it's because when that crown comes off we still have his crown still on us and we need to walk with that with that royalty and how we how we uh show ourselves to everyone mm -hmm. dude abuna took that responsibility to a very little literal level yeah. he was like priesthood <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. Little did you know. Yeah, little did I know. <laughs>
So first of all, thank you for advocating for our hair. It's very important. So much effort goes into it. <laughs> but all right. So you you were already like going into it with the ending of your your first question, where um, we feel like royalty on this day. We're building a new kingdom, this new unit that's going to become a part of the body of Christ. What about when we do get married, and then the first weeks and months and years where things are challenging, and we no longer feel like royalty? How do we continue reminding ourselves that we are, we are royalty, we are still building a kingdom, and how do we continue this maybe like joy and, and dignity of royalty in the rest of the marriage? So that's so important because, you know, they always say that the first year of marriage is, uh, is the most difficult. Um, it's like, you know, like I never had to share a room with anyone growing up. Um, I had my own bed, even my, my sister and I, we had, a, it was just me and my sister, we had a bathroom that had two sinks, so we didn't even have to share a sink. Like we were spoiled brats. You know, I know that now, I didn't think I was back then, but then when all of a sudden I had to share everything, I had to share a room, I had to share a bathroom. I didn't get my own sink when we first got married and it's like, wow, wow, oh, you're gonna put your stuff there. Okay, okay, we can, I got that, you know, like, and then even just like different morning habits, different, I'm a very non, like, don't talk in the morning. My, my, we are not, mm. we are very quiet. We don't like to have conversation, right? Whereas he wakes up with the sunshine. It's like, good morning. You know, I'm like, oh, oh my no. goodness. <laughs> no. And I remember it telling him and, and he's wonderful. My, he has crowns like in heaven, I'm sure for marrying me. But, you know, I used to say to him, do not speak until spoken to in the morning. <laughs> and, Thank goodness, yeah, So rude, right? I'm so rude. <laughs> but I was not used to people chit-chatting in the morning. I'm like, I am not ready to have a conversation. And until I like break that seal, that means I'm not ready. And he's like, well, when are you going to be ready to have a, like, I'm just so excited to, you know, we wake up together and it's wonderful. I'm like, it is not wonderful in the morning. <laughs> you know, so I am tired. And, I, you know, so he's the morning person. I'm the not, I'm the night person. And over time, that, that imbalance kind of balanced itself out where he's not as, you know, so super chipper and I'm not so negative and rude. And so then we kind of, you know, have an even balance. And honestly, that's how a lot of things are going to work out in, in marriage um, is that things will, things will even out. But but there are things that you have to work out, but we have to constantly remember. And the biggest thing that we would remind each other, and probably one of the best advice we got is to remember to choose each other every day. So marriage is going to go through seasons where they are difficult, whether they are difficult because of life circumstance, whether there could be loss of job or, or difficulty having children, or it could be outside influences by, from in-laws or anything like that. COVID, who knows? Like COVID really hit marriages mm -hmm. and, and households, right? Who could ever have expected that? For some marriages, that was a huge blessing. They're like, yes, we get to be with each other more and, and, and people have loved that. For other marriages, they're not used to seeing each other and being in each other's face all the time and it was difficult right but you have to remember that you chose each other and you are choosing each other every day and through the difficult seasons and I got to tell you we've each had difficult seasons sometimes you know and I'm th thankful we pretty much take turns like when he's going through a difficult season and uh, and and you know he's 
hard, like I'm finding it difficult to love him every single day. I still have to choose. I still have to choose to love him and vice versa. And I would say he probably has more, you know, more times where he's got to choose to love me where I'm going through, you know, the ugly seasons. And when I say ugly seasons, I don't mean physically ugly. I mean, like just, you know, kind of nasty. Right. So that kind of ugly, um, where he still has to choose, uh, choose to, to love me. And so that's something that we have carried from day one is to continue to choose each other and choose to love each other, to be patient with each other through these uh, hard times. Can I just say that in nothing that I'm referring to though, I want you to make sure that in everything that I say, this, what I'm referring to, godly marriages, okay? When I say godly marriages, mm. I'm saying two people that are, that are really using God as the, as the center and the backbone for their marriages because there are abusive marriages. And when I say these things, I'm not talking, I'm not referring to those at all where it's emotional or physical, you know, any one of those kinds of, those are kind of a different category. I want to make that very, mm-hmm. very clear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But choosing anyway, back to the point is, Mm -hmm. is choose, choose each other and to choose love every single day, which is what Christ has taught us. Right. We Mm -hmm. we're, we are so ugly, you know, to him so often and not to him, he doesn't think we're ugly, but we, we ignore him or we, we, we treat him poorly. And yet he chooses us every single moment of every single day. Right. And so he's, he's the one teaching us that is that, that, that choice, that choice to love. Beautiful. And that's exactly what Ephesians says, right? Like the husband is no longer living for himself, but living for the wife. Same with the wife and, you know, the submission and the head and all these maybe sounding controversial things that we don't understand as well. And so we were hoping that maybe we could read this together and, you know, really delve into Ephesians 5, which is the Pauline of the sacrament and understand what it means to lead as the head of the of the wife and to subject and to submit and all that kind of stuff. Name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself." For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Wow, that's a beautiful passage. It really shows us the true model of sacrificial love, which is Christ and his church. And then that's applied to marriage. So the husband and wife, they're given these commandments of love in the sacrament, and it's something that they need to carry out for the rest of their lives. 
So my question is, what does this sacrificial love and this kind of submission dynamic mean on a day-to-day -day basis? I think this is the part of the ceremony that is so misunderstood, like you said, mm -hmm. so, so, so misunderstood. And um, I get very passionate about it too, because I think it's so important and I don't like when um, it's mis so misunderstood. I think it's almost... Um, yes insulting you know so and yes. i it's, it's it's something that is beautiful so yes. first let me say uh, well first when i was younger and they used to they used to do the weddings they would always do they, it was always shared arabic english Ar arabic english and then um the english part was happened to always be the the women's part where it says you know submit to your, submit <laughs> to your how convenient and the arabic <laughs> I don't necessarily think it was convenient, but it was probably just first one, second one, first one. Like it just happened. Yeah, yeah. And then the Arabic one was always the men. So I never heard the men's part and never understood it. So mm -hmm. it was always just, I felt like only the women were getting a commandment, right? Because I didn't understand the Arabic. Mm -hmm. And then, so I had a misunderstanding of like, oh, look at how they're, you know, knocking the women until I, you know, matured and, and learned and was, was taught. And I think what is key here, and this is what I teach a lot of, uh, you know, my, my women is that the key about submission is what, when we get to our marriage ceremony, if we have not practiced submission already in our lives, then this becomes like a shock. What, what does this word submit? What do you mean I'm supposed to submit to this man, right? But that tells me that you have not had in your life the practice of submission. So as a child, you are to submit to your parents. But now we have a lot of like issues with, um, and part of that is adolescence, but having issues with submitting to our parents. And then as you go into school, you're supposed to be submitting to your teachers, to your principals, to authority. When you get a job, you're supposed to be submitting to, you know, your boss and to, you know, like to the, to the people that are in authority to you. And then ultimately we're supposed to be submitting to God, right? And to his will in our life. If we have not put into practice, you know, submitting to all these people, we've always been, um, I don't know if it's pride or if it's just like trying to fight that in our lives, then yes, when we hear that in our marriage ceremony, we're going to have the same reactions, like as if, you know, I am my yeah. own person and I don't, yeah. you know, like those kinds of things. Having this pastor say, submit to your husband does not make you a slave and it's not making you um, not your own person. It's to the, the actually the opposite, right? And I think when women catch on that word, they're completely missing the man's commandment which is much harsher than the woman's. He is to be like Christ to the church. What did Christ do? He died. Submitting is much easier than the death of the cross. That, that death, it's a death. It is a denial of who he is, you know, to, to offer that to his wife. Um, and, and, you know, it, the like church. The, yeah, the church, right? It is, it is a complete, so we are both submitting, we are both having a submission to each other, but one is quite harsh. It's it's much, much harder. I find our, our um, vow here is quite gentle, um, and we are called to respect our husbands. We're called to do that, but he is called to love us to the point of death, um, as Christ al already gave us that example. So I, I guess those are kind of my two points there, is that number one, we should already be practicing submission. So this it should not come um, as something new to us. And maybe if it is something new to us, there might be some in the road as we as we you know are going through that you know first few years of marriage they may be a little bit more difficult because um because I haven't practiced this yet you know um 
And same with the men. It's no different for the men. If he has not practiced denying himself or learning how to really love and commit and die to himself, we, again, this is conversations we have with young couples when we just say, remember, you're supposed to die. And, and I remember one, you know, one, one husband like who was really in tears and just saying, I didn't expect it to hurt this much. I didn't expect it to be this hard, you know, to die to myself. And we're like, well, death is never easy. Like, I mean, I've never died before physically, but death is not something that is a, is a comfy word. You know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Marriage is hard work. It's, it's, it's lovely. It's wonderful. It's wonderful when you find that, you know, blessed companion that you can walk through, you know, to, you know, that the Ecclesiastes, you know, that talks about, you know, two are better than one. It's because we have that support. We have that support together. Um, but again, you can still be single and have, you know, two being better than one because Christ can be on your arm and you can, you know, walk together. So fret not if you are still, you know, single. It doesn't mean that you're forever. You can't be a part of that verse. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but when you are companions in, um, you know, when you have found your lifelong companion um, and you walk together and he is dying to himself, uh, you have no problem uh, doing all that you can to support him and to help him. Um, and we used to describe it, although this is a podcast you can't see, but if you can imagine in your head, you know, like one person, you know, bowing to the other person, the other person trying to bowing low, trying to bow lower, and the other person tries to go under and under and mm -hmm. under. And to me, that's what marriage is. That's what marriage should be. I want to lift him higher, but he's getting under me trying to lift me higher. No, I'm going to do, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of that I've always had that, that image. And if I'm having a problem with that, and if I'm going through a season where I just don't feel like it, that's, that's again, where my husband is going to, that's going to be one of those moments of choosing to love me, you know, where it's, it's a little bit, is a little bit difficult. And I think for an example from our lives, like I remember before we were married, I got a job out of town, like quite far out of town. So we were living in Mississauga and I got a, I got an interview for a job in Calgary and it was a dream job. It was a, like an amazing, amazing dream job, but I'm the woman. No man moves for the woman, right? It's always, we got to follow. Uh, this is how I was thinking, right? We always, it's always the man's because the man is the one going to be supporting and like mm -hmm. it's career, you know, has always priority. So I told my, my fiance at the time, I just said, I, I, you know, was given a job opportunity and it's my dream job. What do you think? I was kind of testing him. We weren't married. And uh, he's like, if it's your dream job, why would I say no to it? And I'm like, what? And then I told him the very same thing I just said. I'm like, yeah, but you're the guy. We never, people don't move for the girl. <laughs> they always move for the guy, you know? And he's like, why would I deny you your dream job? I'm like, are you serious? And then he's like, yeah. And, and as things, you know, as things progress and get to the end of the story, we did move. He also got a job there. And so we both were, we were teachers. And so we both got... Um, teaching jobs at the same place and God it was so beautiful because he really blessed my husband loving me by trying to really he died he was really dying to himself and because he had an amazing job offer in Toronto but he wanted me to have my dream job and so how did God bless him when we got to Calgary and we were working and we're both happy the job didn't turn out at all to be a dream job for me. They changed it when we got there. Mm -hmm. 
but he ended up having a dream position. And I said to him, look at this like irony of ironies. And I said, well, God really blessed you and honored you because you tried to bless and honor me. He, he did that for you. And he got a dream job. And I was so happy for him because, you know, God, and maybe that's how, you know, God moved us there because we really felt God leading us. And, um, and he really honored him. And I thought that that was so, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. I think when you put that picture in my head of just like bowing lower each time, it really sheds a different kind of light on that verse. And it's so funny. I was just um, talking about this passage to a couple of youth uh, a week ago, and they had such issues with this. Like as soon as it said, wife, submit to your husband. Oh, man, it was like the, the sky was falling. And I told them, I was like, guys, I think this is such a beautiful passage. Like, this is honoring us. They're like, what do you mean? Like, if I want to be a top doctor, I can't? Like, what? And I was like, no. So I think what I, like, realized was that two things is what I always say about this is we need to read past that first verse and realize that it does say the same thing about men later on. And the second thing is, I think because we read it in such with such a worldly mindset, um, it translates to, like, attack our feminism in some way Mm -hmm. but if we're really bringing it full circle and we're really talking about eem here and the original purpose it's not like the act of submission is not your feminism going away or or boiling down in any way or the relinquishing of power it's there is power in submitting like that is where your strength and your femininity lies that's how i see it i'm first submitted to christ you know so at the end of the day if my if if there's something that is being put into question we're going to have to go back to the bible and just say well what does the bible say about this because remember he's our head he's the head of our household right um he was the one who brought us together and he's the one that's going to lead us and so if for some reason there is you know some kind of issue that that's happening there or if I'm being asked um, I, I, th- I feel like when people hear that word submission, like they think that that means doormat, you know, or, s- yeah. or slave or that we're going to be asked, like we're going to be ordered around that. That's what submit means. And that's exactly. not, that's, that's not it at all. Because if he's doing that, is he following, is he, is he following what is, you know, happening here? I just think if we were really to stick to what uh, this passage was truly telling us and to understand, you know, that Christ is the ultimate example here and he's the ultimate example of how he lived his life. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have those issues. You know, I am constantly, and that's, but that's what love is. Love is, it's a denial of myself, but not, not who I am, but just trying to, to raise up that person that, um, that, that I love in love is, is, is joy and union. Um, but, it's, it's work. It's work. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, butterflies for the rest of your life. It's, it, you gotta, you gotta work at that. Cause it kind of goes against our ego sometimes and our, and our pride. And so we got to work through that. And that's the hard part. And I guess the working can come in when you're single. Like that's the time it to work to. at it. It yeah. has to. Cause if you don't, that's why I was saying, if you haven't worked on this, when you're, when you're single, if you haven't practiced this, that's going to be really hard. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you're, you're doomed in your marriage. It just means you're going to have more difficulty when you're married. It's just going to be uh, harder or maybe more, more of a struggle for you, uh, when you, when you enter in this union, cause you're not, you haven't practiced it. Mm-hmm. Father Alexander Schmemann says something really beautiful, like how exactly what we said, like how love is key. He says, we always think of obedience and love as if they're separate things, but he's saying that the wholeness of obedience 
is a result of the totality of love, which is really interesting and kind of poetic of like, they're not separate. Like we, when we love our husband so much, we are so kind of excited to submit where we, we want to submit. And it's, it's the relationship between, you know, Christ and the church. And then St. John Chrysostom on this passage also says like the members of the body have to submit to the head to be given to the service of the head, but the head provides for the body. So it's like back and forth. The head is not going to walk away on its own, trying to kind of dissociate because if the head walks away on its own and makes its own decisions, it dies. So we we're together, like in the, at the end of the day, like you said, Claudine, like we're not, we're not doormats. We're working with the head together. Yes. And I'll add on a beautiful reflection by father Matthew, the poor. He says, once the husband and the wife give up their own self at that moment, they obtain Christ's self. He says, oh, what peace and joy results when both the husband and the wife give up their respective selves. Laughter then fills the house and all things become good and wonderful. And Christ, who is among them, at every moment does the work of unity. Is that true, Cloudy? <laughs> <laughs> Testify to this. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> You know, I, uh, it's funny because, so we, we volunteer at a farm right now. It's a like cows, sheep, goats. We, we volunteer a few times a week. It's hard work. Um, and one of the things the, the owners are elderly and, uh, which is why we volunteer and they're very, very particular, very particular tools have to go in a very specific place, faced in a specific way. Uh, the manure that we're hauling out has to be hauled in a certain way on certain things and placed out in a huge compost pile in a certain way, like very, very specific. And there's a few of us that volunteer and some of the volunteers are getting a little bit annoyed at the uh, how, how picky uh, the owners are. Now these owners have owned this farm for over 50 years. They've been on this farm. They know it so well, okay? One thing that we learned and, and I think also why we go, first of all, we are trying to love them and to support them. And uh, we are learning so much about humility and obedience. When they ask me to put a tool in a very specific place or in a specific way, it's not really my place to argue that. They have owned this farm for 50 years. And so why am I going to come in who is a city girl and come in and say, well, why don't I just put it there? What does it matter if I put it a meter away or what if, you know, like, and question, but to just, uh, to, but to just say, uh, okay, you know, no problem to obey, to have humility and obedience in, in, in what I am, in what I am doing. Okay because that's how they've asked for it to be. So let's say in my marriage, let's say I just want, you know, the, the shoes or the jackets, you know, hung in a particular way or placed in a particular way. If every time my husband comes in and he walks in the door and then he walks all the way in and he throws the jacket on the kitchen table. And, uh, and then I say to him, oh, um, yeah, can we just, can we not put that on the kitchen table? Because like the closet's right there. So can you just hang your thing on the closet? Yeah, 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 no problem. And then if every single day he takes that, you know, jacket and he continues to throw it on uh, the kitchen counter or the kitchen table, um, I may, I may, I have a reason, you know, like I have a reason why, first of all, because it's dirty and that's the kitchen table and that's where we're going to be eating and who knows where your jacket's been and why we have closets for a reason. So can you put it there? So we have an opportunity here for a tense little moment because if, you know, and maybe my husband has so many things on his mind and he just doesn't remember. He legitimately doesn't remember when he comes in. He's carrying, you know, a lot in his head. This is not an example of our household. I just want you to know this is an example of like what could be an example of like many. So 
such a petty little thing, right? But if my husband knows that this is something that pleases me, or even it's not that it pleases me, but it, it just doesn't start a battle, then hang the coat in in the closet you know even if i don't necessarily if he doesn't necessarily get why it has to be in the closet if he doesn't even think it's important to him guys and girls are very different very very different and you will learn that as you get married especially we're very different but but that's the beauty of why he's put us together too because we have we all both have different giftings you know and so organization is you know it's one of mine so I like things to be organized and so we work together to try to make sure that and if he knows that it pleases me then that's what he's going to do and the same the same is little little things like that you know just trying to please each other and trying to um one thing that he loves to do for me is uh you know fill my fill my gas tank he knows that I love it when he fills my gas tank it's so small right but if he drives my car and then it's empty I'm like are you kidding me the car is like you finish my gas tank and left it empty whatever you know like but he will fill my gas tank and he'll be so proud of himself too he's like I filled your gas tank for you I'm like I am so thankful like I that is such a big deal for me I love that and little ways of showing each other that kind of love those are denials of self like he'll stop in the snowstorm or in the cold at night and he'll fill my gas tank so that I don't have to that's him trying to love me you know outside of like just saying to me I I love you you know what I mean and so I look for those moments that I can do for him as well so these are ways that we continue that that way to to have those joyful moments uh to love each other throughout our marriage the world always depicts like the fun, exciting time is before marriage. And then it's just kind of dull and down the, like downhill from there. But that's completely the opposite of what you're describing and what Christian, like Christian marriage is. No, no, no. I, marriage is so like, we loved it. Like we had so much fun. And when we were young, cause we were young when we got married. So it, we felt, sometimes we felt wrong. I'm like, oh my goodness, if my dad knew that you were in my house right now, you know, because <laughs> I, I have a boy in my house, you know, and it's just like, wait, we're married. Or we would, we would all night, yeah. we would we would talk forever and ever and ever. And we have worked the next day and like, we live together now. We, we can go to bed and we can wake up in the morning and we can continue the conversation. You know, one of the joys that we had of marriage is that we didn't have to say goodnight. Like there was no ending to, you know, this, this lifelong date that we had together and that we could do these, you know, beautiful things together. And, and it's, it's really, really, really beautiful. No, it's marriage gets a bad rap and it's something that is so beautiful. Um, pick wise pick wisely that's that's the important part and then work hard work hard on yourselves as individuals and as a couple together to keep christ at the center that's a big key this concludes part one of our episode on the sacrament of marriage please tune in next week to listen to the rest of the conversation